0: You've tuned in to Chaos to the Fly, a podcast for fans of the darkness and the supernatural by Greg Newbegin. If you'd like to reach out to provide feedback or say hello, send an email to info at chaos to the fly.com. Or if you'd like to share an experience, send the details to stories at chaos to the and it might be included on future episodes. Now, let's get down to business, shall we? Howdy folks and welcome to episode four of series one of Chaos to the Fly. My name's Greg Newbegin. I am your host and we are back with another scorcher of an episode. At least I hope it is following on from last week where of course we looked at the Greek myth, I guess mythology, the Hecaton We had an awesome tale of a Lake Burton encounter, which was really well written. Uh, And of course I had a review of Clive Barker and the Scarlet Gospels. It's not what it's called, it's the Scarlet Gospels written by Clive Barker. But still, it was good. If you want to hear any of those things, go back and have a listen. Of course, this week we have three more things as we always do. We're looking at Malak, a demon that I've mentioned, well, I don't know if I have mentioned him once or twice, maybe. Or perhaps I mentioned him in the preview episode. I can't remember. We've got one fairly lengthy story again this week. Followed up by a review of a Spanish language film called The Platform. So stick around to hear that one. At the end, I'll go over some reviews. I'll talk about some other stuff. And of course, my weekly secret. So stick around for the end if you want to hear more. Anyway, on with the show. Moloch Moloch, also known by many other variations including Molech and Milcom, is an ancient Canaanite god often associated with child sacrifice. The Canaanite religions, for those unaware, refer to a group of Semitic religions of those living in the Levant region of Eastern Asia, those countries close to the Mediterranean Sea. Of course, this includes the many religious beliefs of Sumer, Akkad, and Assyria, in addition to the ancient Hebrew of the Israelites. As such, Moloch was itself a god among many gods, as these were polytheistic religions. However, as time developed, and ancient Judaism itself changed, worship of any god apart from Yahweh soon became blasphemy. For this reason, references to Moloch abound within the Christian Bible, although modern Christianity is considered a monotheistic religion. The origin of the name is believed to have originated from the root mulk, which meant king, and is used somewhat interchangeably at the time to mean both king and Moloch, so the link is pretty clear. The alternate version of the name, Milcom, is very similar to Melkam, a biblical term that meant Great King and referred to an ancient Ammonite god. Some also believe that Moloch is linked to, or possibly an alternate name for, the ancient god Baal, a word that itself meant Lord or Master. However, Baal also has a deep history of its own, and can be used to refer to gods in general or indeed solely to THE devil, if you believe in such things, so we will put that one over to the side for now. Moloch is also referred to as the Sacred Bull, and is thus depicted in such a way, either as an anthropomorphised bull, or as a man with the head of a bull. Other depictions show a huge bronze statue with the head of a bull, at the base of which is a fire lit for the purposes of sacrifice. In fact, it is understood that those that were to be sacrificed were put into the hands of the statue, which was rigged at the time to move, dropping the sacrifice into the mouth of the statue and thus into the fire in its belly. More frightening though, is that the sacrifices themselves were said to include children. The statue was said to have had seven chambers, into which varying sacrifices were placed, flower, turtle doves, a ewe, a ram, a calf, a cow, and lastly, a child. At this point, said fire was lit and the beating of rhythmical drums would then drown out any cries that could be heard from within. And why sacrifice children, you may ask? A perfectly reasonable question with, in my opinion, no reasonable answer. Some say it was an offering to the Greco-Roman god Cronus also known as Saturn, who ate his own children in an attempt to thwart a prophecy that one would later kill him. We covered this last week in regards to the Hecaton Cure. This was foiled of course as one of his children did indeed survive. Zeus, he later killed his father per the prophecy. Some believe that child sacrifice was made to satisfy Cronus and prevent his wrath. Whatever the case may have been, the people of the time must have been quite in fear of their gods in order to pay such a costly sacrifice. Perhaps these sacrifices were only made when extreme circumstances called for extreme measures. Others suggest it may have been an annual tradition. Still others have noticed that all first-born children may have been offered at one point in history. Thankfully, some more recent studies have suggested that perhaps children were never actually sacrificed at all but were simply made to walk through a passage with fire on both sides, coming out cleansed, so to speak, on the other side. Still, there seems to be more evidence to support the suggestion that these sacrifices were definitely once performed. Later, the Christian Bible makes mention of Moloch as being a fearsome demon, one who steals children and makes mothers cry. Apparently, his power is strongest in October, I guess the idea that he stole children was simply an extension of a previous belief system. Regardless, Malok seems to be considered a major evil deity in modern times. Perhaps unsurprisingly, I was not able to find any posts online for people claiming to have summoned Malok. I did see several posts warning against it, and several discussing who Malok is and so on, but nothing suggesting that anyone has actually gone to the lengths of summoning him. Perhaps that's for the best. On a separate note, Moloch is also fairly well referenced in modern culture. He is specifically referred to as the King of Demons and a chief of Satan's fallen angels in Milton's Paradise Lost. Fritz Lang's Metropolis from 1927 includes a sacrificial temple worshipping Moloch. He's referenced in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, Try saying that one three times fast. And Sleepy Hollow. However, he's perhaps most famously referenced in Allen Ginsberg's 1955 poem Howl, in which Moloch is used to represent the Industrial Revolution and American corporatocracy. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Moloch is perhaps not the first name that comes to mind when you think of gods or demons, but clearly he has had a major effect on life as we know it from religious beliefs through popular culture. I find the history fascinating. (coughs) This week's ghost story is another haunted home story from Vince in the Ghost Stories subreddit. Definitely worth checking out the Ghost Stories subreddit. Lots of awesome stuff is shared there. When my grandpa died, my grandma moved in and bought a condo from this one elderly woman who had multiple husbands that had died across her lifetime. Before we moved in with her, she was experiencing weird occurrences. I remember she told us once that she'd been sleeping upstairs in her bedroom, only to wake up in the middle of the night and find someone playing with her toes, pulling them and poking them. She also said one night it was as if someone was just pushing her bed against the wall with immense force. Another night, she was so frustrated she said aloud, ''Whoever you are, stop bothering me or give me the winning lottery numbers.'' I guess they didn't have the winning lottery numbers because whatever was bothering her stopped for a little while. After we moved in, some interesting things happened over the years. My first occurrence there was during a cold and snowy December. I'd just received Grand Theft Auto 5 for the PS4 and was playing it upstairs on my TV. It was 2am and I got this weird feeling that something was watching me. I turned to my right and as soon as I looked, the sunroof fogged up more and more over the period of a couple of seconds. Suddenly, the imprint of a mouth or a lip appeared within the fog on the sunroof. In a heartbeat, I turned off my PS4 and ran downstairs to my bedroom. A dog always used to bark in the dark hallways of our house, and when he did so, he'd keep backing up as if he saw someone or something. Another time, I was up late by myself, and I had the lamplight next to me. I went to turn it off, and I was on my way downstairs. As soon as I was done shutting off every light upstairs, just as I opened the door to the basement and started to walk down the steps, I saw a light pop on in the corner of my eye. I turned and suddenly noticed that the same light I was sitting next to earlier had turned itself back on. Once again, I made sure all the lights were switched off and went down to sleep. When my dad got up for work at 3am, every light in the house had been turned on. All the lamps, the kitchen, the bathroom, every light possible. One night, I went to bed and my family and I were all sleeping downstairs. It was 3am. My mum and I were both awake we both heard footsteps upstairs, as if someone was up there walking about. We also heard closets opening and closing. No one was up there but my grandma, at least as far as we knew, and she wouldn't be up at 3am. We heard this on and off for about 30 minutes, somewhat faintly. Finally, we got the courage to go upstairs. As expected, no one was there, and my grandma was fast asleep. The next morning we told my grandma and it occurred to her that the night before this happened was the five-year anniversary of my grandpa's passing. One afternoon, my dad was out, my brother was working, and my mum and I went to go pick up my brother from work. My grandma was the only one home. She walked into the kitchen to get a glass of water, and she heard my voice specifically calling her from the back room. Grandma, come here! She knew I wasn't home. No one was. She stayed frightened in the kitchen until we got home. Yet another night, my mum fell asleep on the couch upstairs watching TV. I couldn't tell you what time it was, but it was late. She woke up and she saw a young boy sitting above our TV set in an empty compartment of the wall unit, almost as if he was hiding. When he noticed my mother looking at him, the boy looked at her and put his finger in front of his mouth as if he was telling her to be quiet while playing hide-and-seek. One year around Christmas, we had all of our Christmas presents under the tree, and more presents stacked against the wall. Everyone was in the kitchen, and I was once again sitting on the couch playing my Nintendo DS on my own in the family room. Suddenly I heard a loud bang, as if someone had picked up a box and threw it as hard as they could against the corner wall. I was convinced something had to have broken, and I looked around to see what had happened. But nothing was knocked over, and everything was exactly as it was. The rest of my family was talking in the kitchen, and nobody heard the sound but me, even though the sound happened between us, and was loud enough to shock me from my game. Strange. Growing up, my brother always got blamed for when things went missing. He used to eat the food stored away in our cabinets and the fridge, and then lie about it afterwards. One morning before high school, around 6am, my brother and I were laying in bed. Both of our phones were charging upstairs. My mum opened the basement door and yelled, Anthony, what have you done with the peanut butter? My brother responded that he didn't know. He hadn't eaten any peanut butter recently. They were arguing back and forth between the basement and upstairs, which was quite a distance in reality. My mum then randomly received an SMS message pop up on her phone which said, Not everyone likes peanut butter. Not everyone likes peanut butter. It was strange. It repeated twice and then completely disappeared from her phone. She went through her messages afterwards, trying to find it, but she couldn't find anything. Later, she told us it had popped up with no phone number or reference to who had sent it, and then completely disappeared after she had enough time to read it. She thought it was my brother at first, but then saw that both of our phones were charging upstairs on the table, and she kind of freaked out a little. Another time, around 8pm at night, I was once again playing my DS alone. Everyone else was in the basement, and my mum wasn't home yet from bowling. The TV was off, and then, clear as day, almost as if someone was face-to-face with me, I heard a very distinct, Hello. The voice was almost exactly like my cousin Andy. However, my cousin Andy had died years before this incident. I was really close to him. Occasionally, while my family was in the basement sleeping late at night, I would sometimes be still up playing PS4. The door to the basement would always be closed, but every now and then I would hear a sound as if someone was pressing their body up against the door. It was a weird sound and I don't quite know how to describe it, kind of like something rubbing up against the door. It was really spooky at the time. Just last year, I was playing PS4 downstairs and I went upstairs at 2am to get something to eat. As I opened the door to the basement, I saw a ball of light hovering over my kitchen table. All the lights were off, so obviously it was really noticeable. As soon as I got a glimpse of it, the ball of light quickly swept in the direction of my family room and disappeared, never to be seen again. It was almost as if I wasn't supposed to see it, or I was interrupting whatever it was doing. A weird thing that happened a lot since we moved in about eight years ago, our clothes started going missing, and then they'd randomly appear days later. This happened to everyone in my family, but most frequently to me. Sometimes I wouldn't find them for months, and then they'd just randomly appear out of the blue. It would piss me off a lot. There were lots of little things that happened, but I can't remember everything. Even today, sometimes I feel like someone is touching my body with their hand lightly while I try to sleep at night. It's not a pleasant feeling. Anyway, the very last thing that happened in this house. We were all downstairs sleeping, My mum got a call on her cell phone at 3am from my grandma, asking why the neighbour was in her bedroom. My mum and I ran upstairs, and my grandma was startled, but no one was there in the room with her. My grandmother kept saying that she was hiding, and that the woman had red hair, and she'd said three words to her, but she'd forgotten what the woman had said. She thought it was the neighbour because she couldn't think of another logical explanation, although the neighbour didn't have red hair. The scariest part about all these stories? I'm still living in that house today. We haven't had any occurrence since, and we've done nothing to stop it either. The more I got involved with my religion, and educating myself on spirits and demons and whatnot, they stopped bothering us. I can't be sure that this was the reason, but the coincidence is pretty clear to me. This week's review is a review of The Platform, a Spanish movie released in 2019 that I watched on Netflix, with subtitles of course. The Platform is a pretty weird movie, but it's weird for all the right reasons. Like I said, it was originally released in 2019, but it recently received a larger release in English on Netflix back in March. 2020, I believe. So very recent. The Platform is a Spanish horror thriller that takes a lot of cues from 1997's Cube, if you've seen that one. A similar movie that you should watch if you haven't yet, because it's cool! The second one, eh, not so much. Here, a young man awakes to find himself in a vertical prison of sorts, in which there's a large hole in the centre of the room, with levels above and levels below. Once a day, every day, a platform descends, stopping at each level for a limited amount of time. The platform starts at the top level, laden with exquisite food, impeccably presented. By the time it reaches his level though, which is level 47 at the start of the movie, much of it has been eaten, and only scraps are left. It only gets worse for those on the lower floors. At the end of every month... The prisoners, although I am hesitant to call them such, as we do know that at least two of the people in there actually entered voluntarily, you learn this throughout the course of the movie. Anyway, as I mentioned at the end of every one, the prisoners are gassed and wake the following day on a different, random level. The movie explores the horror of being on a lower level, and the glee and indulgence of being on a higher level. It is very clearly a shameless metaphor for the modern hierarchical society. And it does so in brilliant fashion. Although as the movie continues and the protagonist slowly goes mad, things get stranger and stranger and I'll just leave it at that. It's really worth watching. It's not your typical horror movie, but it is filled with gore and violence and it may gross you out here and there. But it will stay with you for a long time after it concludes. Not for the horrific things or the evil things that you're prevented with throughout the narrative, but more for the manner in which it ends. Really, this movie is trying to say something. And I'm not sure if it's as simple as modern society sucks, or it's something much deeper. And then again, I guess with movies like this, it's often up to you, the viewer. It is far from perfect. It starts off with a whole lot of forced setup which, admittedly, a movie like this requires. It needs to explain exactly why you're where you are and the rules of whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's a little bit annoying, but absolutely necessary. And people make strange decisions, which is a common theme in horror movies. (laughs) But what sets it apart is the interesting and really original premise, as well as some very interesting and gory scenes. At about one and a half hours, it's perfect length, Any longer would have felt too long. That said, note that parts of this film do feel a little stretched, so it does have some dull moments here and there. Still, it comes highly recommended. It's weird. It's gory. It's different. Go watch the platform. Alrighty, that is it for the primary content for Episode 4. Let's take a look, of course at why I chose these particular things. Moloch is an interesting one. When I first started looking into demons and things, the first came to, that came to mind were, of course, the main ones that everyone thinks about, the Beelzebubs, the Satans and Lucifers, and all these different names for what many in of, of the Christian persuasion give to the same entity, but really had different origins. However, the more I looked into demons, I found that there were so many different ones with so many different, interesting, quirky backstories or histories. And really, the first one I probably came across was Moloch. And I can't remember where it popped into my mind, what I was looking at, what I was doing. But just my brain kept coming back to Moloch. I kept seeing a picture of the, the great bronze statue and things like that just kept cropping up so I knew that was something that I had to tackle there's plenty of other things over time that I know I absolutely have to tackle such as the the jinn of Islamic tradition yeah there's, there's quite a few things that I absolutely must check out and Moloch was at the top of that list I just decided not to go with him for the first episode because I thought Pazuzu might be more um Palatable for those that were newcomers to the show. Anyway, the Moloch section today was fantastic. I really enjoyed doing the research for that one. I enjoyed getting to finally read it out. Now, truth be told, I am starting to get to the lighter end of the ghost stories that I collected, mainly because I wasn't certain of lengths that they needed to be in order to provide enough on the show so I want each episode to be about 30 minutes long preferably over 30 minutes I think if it's too short I mean it it depends some people have more time some people have less time but realistically this is a show that where I want to provide a story and I want to provide something worth listening to and I'm just, just not sure if you know 20 minutes or less is really worth listening to but that's just my opinion feel free to send me yours Uh, info at chaos to the fly is where to send me that kind of information, but yeah, that's what I'm targeting. And a lot of the stories I have when it comes down to me, finally reading them out are often five minutes or less. So a couple of weeks ago, I did three, three in an episode next week. I'll probably do at least two. I would imagine, which leaves me with, I think two again. So I'm looking for some longer stories. If you have been listening and you've been holding on to a ghost story of your own, feel free to reach out to me. Stories at chaos to the fly.com is where to send them via email or head on over to the the website, chaos to the fly.com. There's a button there that says share your experience. Click that, send it through. Otherwise I do have plenty of places where I can get more stories. I just have to go through the process of collecting them. Perhaps I should mention why I chose this particular story this week. I like the fact that this particular story has a lot of different things that happened to this person, and they're still living there. It is pretty creepy. I'm not sure if I would be super happy still living there with all these weird things happening. Uh, but what can you do? I guess you've got to live somewhere. So yeah, I... I Really enjoyed that story, and thank you to, uh, I think it was Vincent who sent that one in to me, or allowed me to share it with everyone, so thank you. When it comes to reviews, though, I have a massive backlog of reviews. I have oh, 10 to 20 written reviews, some of which I probably, like I was mentioning last week, will not... I'll probably just add them into this section of the show, the very end, because, for example, one of the the movies I watched fairly recently was Dead Silence. Dead Silence is a great movie, but I think it was from way back in the early 2000s or prior to 2010, and that's a long time ago. Probably a lot of people have seen it, and I don't think it's worth dedicating a whole section of the show to a movie that maybe a lot of people have already seen. So that's why I decided to skip on some of those. So, I mean, it means that I'll I'll have, I've still got more than enough recent stories to add into the show. But, uh, sorry, recent reviews that I can add into the show. But I've also got a backlog of older stuff that I can put in as well, which is cool. This week, though, of course, I did the platform. The reason I chose this one is because I watched it fairly recently and it was really exciting. It's only just been released in the English language on Netflix. It's, you know, a month or two ago. I definitely recommend people go out and see it. I don't think many people have seen it as yet. So that's why I decided to choose that one because it's brand new. I've got a few more from recent years, such as uh, Brightburn, A Quiet Place, uh, Three from Hell, Maggie. Those ones have come out over the last couple of years. Maybe people have seen them, but I don't think people have, uh, many people have seen them as yet, and I do recommend them, so they'll be on future episodes. Anyway, I've got a little bit of a reviews update. There have been a couple reviews that have come through iTunes in particular, so thank you to anyone out there that has been listening and has decided to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you for that. I think we've got three now, so that's pretty exciting. The first one, and I'm going to start reading them out um, when I have reviews to read out. So the first one is from someone who's called themselves NY, which I assume is New York. New York boobies, if that is your real name. And this was left on the US iTunes uh, podcasts, reviews, whatever. And it was under the heading Intriguing, and this was actually left... Before episode, sorry, before season one had even started, just after I'd, I'd dropped the preview. So it says, this sounds like it'll be an awesome show based, based off the preview. We'll definitely check it out. So that's pretty cool to have received a five-star review before the season even started. So thank you to New York boobies for that one. Or NY boobies. Maybe it's Neil Young. Neil Young's boobies. I don't know. Does Neil Young have boobies? I haven't seen him recently. But thank you for the review. If you'd like to leave a review, leave them wherever you like. Castbox is a good one if you're an Android user. Uh, Podcast Republic, Podcoin. There's plenty of places. Podcoin? Podbean? Whatever. Plenty of places that you can leave reviews if you're an Android user. And if you're an iTunes user, straight into iTunes, people get to see it. I'm still hoping that I'll get in the uh, new and noteworthy, uh, but I'm not sure if we're growing fast enough to get there. And that's life. If we don't get there, we don't get there. But hey, let's give it a shot. Anyway, I wanted to talk about some interesting stuff. And of course, my secret uh, growing up little thing about me. Is it secret? I don't know. But back in the day, I used to love comic books, as as many of us did. I went through a phase, though, where I, I was reading some Marvel comic books and things like that, but I was mainly a big fan of Image and mainly a massive fan of the Spawn comic books. I collected oh, issues 1 to about 70 before I slowed down and stopped reading. I've now got, I think, uh, issues 1 to 200 or to 250 in digital format. But... I don't like Spawn as much as I used to. I don't know what it is about Spawn that I did like all those years ago. But the Spawn that exists now is not the same as it was back then. It's just not as enjoyable. I also used to like The Savage Dragon back in the day. That was a really cool comic. It's gone a bit too sort of wacky for my liking now. I I like more serious stuff now. So I really enjoy Saga, of course. And just more recently... I've started sort of getting back into, if you like, Marvel stuff. And I don't really know why. I've always liked X-Men and things like that. But I always found Marvel could be a little bit too wordy and long and painful. When I read comics, I generally want something that's hard-hitting and fast-moving. But I guess the reason I've started getting back into some Marvel stuff is because perhaps I need some of that... Uh, story building that Marvel does put into their comics just for some ideas around writing and things like that. So, I'm starting to get back into that, looking into the House of M and the House of X and all that kind of stuff uh, of recent years just to see how those stories are developed and, and things like that, which is pretty cool, pretty confusing at the same time, but that's where I'm at. And my secret is I don't like DC comics. I never really have. I, find, I I have bought some. You know, I've got the Death of Superman in a, my comic books somewhere. From the 90s, I think that was. I've got some DC comics. I've always found Batman to be a bit boring. I know. Ludicrous. <laughs> I just have never really enjoyed DC. I think... DC takes itself too seriously, which isn't a bad thing. There's plenty of people out there that enjoy the serious take that DC takes. I enjoy the more far-fetched stuff that Marvel takes. Although, again, Marvel does tend to be a bit dull at times itself, which is why I really liked Image. Image comics, at least when it first started coming out, was just sort of in-your-face action whatever. (laughs) so I really enjoyed that but you know I guess I'm getting older so I'm starting to change but I doubt i will ever change when it comes to DC I just will never be a DC boy I don't understand the the internet's love for Batman Uh, I think it's another case of the internet just jumping on bandwagons let's all like the same thing okay internet anyway I'm rambling now. So that is enough for episode four of Chaos to the Fly. If you do enjoy listening to this show week on week, please rate, review, like, share, all that good stuff to help spread the word and get the word out about Chaos to the Fly so that other people can enjoy it as well. The more people we have listening, the more feedback I get so that I can make the show better, or I can come across some really cool new stuff that people suggest to me or I just might get some really cool stories via email. So yeah, rate, review, like, spread the word. I am considering adding interviews with paranormal investigators into future seasons, if not into season one. It's just something I thought of the other day out of the blue. I do follow a couple of paranormal investigators on Facebook mainly so that I can share their stuff on Chaos to the Fly when they share something cool and interesting. But it crept into my mind that, hey, I could always reach out to these people and see if they'd be interested in doing an interview, talking about why they do what they do, talking about some of the experience, the experiences they've had and things like that. Uh, I thought that could potentially be interesting in place of the regular three sections of an episode or on top of just make an extra long episode every once in a while. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know whether there's any interest in this. Info at chaos to the fly.com of course is the place to send that kind of information to talk to me, talk to me good people. Let me know what you think of the show. Anyway, I will see you next week with episode five. Look forward to it. I know I am. Catch you then. Bye. Chaos to the fly might mostly be my little project but it couldn't be what it is without the help of some key individuals and resources so i'd like to thank the following thanks to simon exley for his brilliant music making skills providing all music used in the show you can look for his work at inexilerecords.bandcamp.com thanks also to mr mr yarn for his glorious voice work which you can hear in the intro and outro you can find him at Box on twitter and last but not least, thank you to Simon Sherry, who provided the excellent artwork for the show, including our spooky mascot. Follow Simon at Simon Sherry on Twitter. Before I go, however, I should mention that the sound effects were obtained from Zapsplat.com. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at MadCapsules on Twitter. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chaos to the Fly. It would really help if you could leave us a review on iTunes or simply share the podcast with others you feel may be interested. To keep the spooky conversation going, follow us at Chaos to the Fly on Twitter and Facebook. Back to work. Flies.